Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Game Time Decisions. All right, let's roll. Game Time Decisions. Red Heat and Rage has begun. We're kicking it here at the CNC Cafe across the street from the Rogers Center. In Cam's neck of the woods. <laughs> if we have any uh, technical difficulties, just hang. Uh, we ask that you please bear with us. Uh, we'll get through it. We've gotten through worse. What's up, Moretzi, buddy? Uh, we're back at the cafe. If you're coming down to the Blue Jays Yankees game, come down, say hi. And uh, later on, Gabe's going to be doing some shows later on. I'll get some people up here. We'll have a great time after the Yankees and Blue Jays game tonight. It's a little bleak outside, but it's warm in here. So come in and say hi. Yeah, it is a very, very bleak, actually. It's a bleak day, Kim. For, for, supposed, uh, for the supposed summer. All right, so there's a little bit of an echo uh, coming. And I understand it's uh, coming from you. Coming That's from what uh, Florio was saying. Yeah, so uh, turn things down right now, and uh, we'll get you figured out. Guys, uh, we've got a stacked uh, show here today. Uh, Mike Blewett's going to join us. Scott Angle's going to kick it with us. Big man on campus. And we got about a million uh, baseball games to break down. I've got a lot of baseball picks uh, ready to go. Yeah, DFS style, too. we got some uh, great pitching matchups tonight in baseball. We're really hard to put the team together with all the games, but we did it. And uh, stick around. We've got great picks for you there, too. Do you? Yes. <laughs> all right, Kev, you've got to uh, disconnect, Kev. You've got a little bit of a, uh, you've got to, like, unplug, disconnect, and re, you know, re-go here. All right, we apologize uh, for any... Uh, any echo uh, that we had uh, going there with uh, the Raging Redhead, uh, Cam Stewart. So as I stated, we got uh, we got Mike Blewett's going to step up in it and join us. We got Big Man on campus. Uh, Scott Angle's going to join us uh, from from the New York uh, Mets uh, game here this evening. And you know what? Call me insane, and I've been called worse. Uh, but I actually like the New York uh, Mets uh, tonight, and I actually like Vargas uh, tonight as well. Interesting uh, baseball uh, slate tonight. And for the degenerate gamblers, you know what? That's all there is tonight, baseball. So you better like uh, baseball because uh, that's what we've got to play tonight. Although, um, Stanley Cup uh, last night, we gave you the Washington Capitals. Washington Capitals uh, get it done once again. Before the series started, I told you guys, I thought the Washington Capitals would win the Stanley Cup in six games. And um, I think Vegas get it done. Uh, they're gonna go. Uh, they're gonna go back home. I think Vegas gets it done. I like the way Vegas uh, showed some fight. Actually, I like the way Vegas didn't quit um, in the uh, in the hockey game. And 
you know, to be honest with you, I did like the fact that they left Marc-Andre Fleury in, so I don't want to contradict myself. I thought, you know, Fleury's a little tired right now, and Vegas looked tired as a team. Uh, but I think it was a positive sign that they scored uh, a couple of goals uh, late in the game, just to sort of, you know, listen, they had a million bad bounces. Las Vegas really are like an analogy of, they really are like a gambler, like in Las Vegas, literally and fairly. They really are like a gambler in which they were freaking hot forever, but we all know as gamblers what happens, man. You don't stay hot forever. And right now the, um, the Vegas Knights are going cold right now, but I think going back home, it's been such an emotional run for them. They do have a distinct home ice advantage. And listen, Washington are playing great hockey now, man. Ovechkin's a man possessed. Uh, you know, we screwed up uh, with the total last night. That was a little bit of a problem. But uh, we, we got really lucky with the no goal in the first nine minutes and 30 seconds uh, as well. So uh, it's, it's, tonight it's just baseball. Tomorrow night it's going to be off the hook, man. We got a ton of stuff uh, going on. Uh, tomorrow night. So as we stated, uh, we're kicking it uh, here at the CNC Cafe. We're across the street. We got the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays uh, here this evening. CC Sabathia and Marco Estrada. And uh, I don't know. It wasn't too long ago that CC Sabathia was here in Toronto, and uh, he actually punched someone, punched someone in the face. I like to punch a lot of people in the face, to be honest with you. I feel, uh, I feel his frustration. All right, we'll get uh, we'll get Cam uh, back online uh, momentarily, but our boy Cam's not exactly uh, Bill Gates here when it comes to uh, computers. I'm doing the best I can here. Working All right, I think what we'll do is uh, just slide over here, Cam. We'll share mics for right now, and uh, we'll try to get this figured out uh, at the break. If not, we'll put you in a taxi and send you back home. <laughs> Good one, Moretzi. Yeah, no, I, hey, I admit I'm not an IT guy. I'm doing the best over here, but uh, no, don't worry. We're going to get things working, buddy. I could feel it. I could feel it. Anyway, I'm with you with the Capitals. I'm all business with this team. I, I bought in at plus 210, and you said it, man. The one thing that I'm starting to realize is this Vegas team, the luck is gone. You said it. They're hitting posts left, right, and center. Washington, they got on that big big roll early in the game. Bam, 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 3 nothing in that game. Fantastic. They could feel it right now. I'm not sure, Gabe. The one thing is, it might go. Uh, Vegas might get one more at home, but i got to think this thing uh, is ending in six, and we both had that as our prediction. Yeah, I told everyone that would listen uh, that uh, the Washington Capitals would win this series uh, in six games. Yet It wouldn't shock me if the Capitals went back and, uh, and won uh, at home. Um, in Vegas' is, uh, building right now. I mean, Washington are just a, they're, they're a team possessed. Hope he's been a difference maker. As good as, as good as Marc-Andre Fleury has been, we talked about it a lot. The dude's save percentage was 9.45, all right? That's an impossible level. That's like basically like hitting 500 in baseball. You're not going to be able to keep it up at that pace. And when we talk about Washington being a, a team possessed, it's not just... Oh, Alexander Ovechkin. And Ovechkin's just over-the-top good right now. Like, over-the-top good. You know, forechecking, back-checking, shooting. Uh, but, you know, the thing, and, and Kuznetsov is unbelievable. If it wasn't for Ovechkin, Kuznetsov would be the MVP. 
Kuznetsov actually has more points, but you know, uh, you know, they're going to show the love for Ovechkin. But a big key, man, is the block shots for the Washington Capitals. They clog the lanes. They, they're sacrificing their bodies, man. They're racking up the block shots, and Vegas are having a hard time even getting pucks uh, at the net. Now, game, uh, the line going back to Vegas right now is Las Vegas minus 140. The total is five and a half once again. And, you know, I think I'm kind of worn out as far as the totals are concerned. We got lucky with a couple of unders earlier uh, in the series. And truth be told, last night, the game should have sailed over the number earlier than it did. Like Cam mentioned, it's just constant uh, goalposts. So it's, it's a tricky game, just as the NBA game uh, is going to be a tricky one. Uh, as well. So the total is five and a half here. I really don't have a ton of interest uh, in the total. Um, Vegas at minus 140. I'll go back, you know, sort of like the last dance. This is the goodbye for Las Vegas uh, this year. They go back home. They win this game. They go back to Washington and uh, Washington wins their first ever Stanley Cup. And if not, you know, and don't forget, man, Vegas win this next game. Suddenly, they're going to have their legs back, and they're still in this. As Jared Gallant stated, it takes four games to lose the Stanley Cup, but they're starting to look tired right now, Las Vegas. They, they do just, they look like a tired hockey team. Washington are a physical team, man. They wear on you. They wore the Tampa Bay Lightning out, and uh, you're starting to see them wear out uh, the, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights right now, Cam. Not just that, buddy, but they wore out Pittsburgh, too. You saw that coming back against arguably the best team in the league. That's why I'm all Washington. They have, they have a breed that's just a little bit, bit different than Vegas. Like Guys like Tom Wilson not only will end your career, he'll put you into the glass, take your teeth out. He'll score goals, and that's the thing about Vegas. You know, They have Alex Tuck and Marcheseau, but they're, they're flashier guys. You know, Tuck throws his body around a little bit. It's not the same It's not the same violence that the Washington guys have. Like, look at Smith Pelly. This guy was a cast-off from the New Jersey Devils. All of a sudden, he goes there. Gabe, he looks absolutely awesome. He's putting guys through the glass. He was doing what the uh, Vegas guys were doing before. But now Washington, they just have that full package of skill, speed, team uh, team hitting. And the one thing, too, I trust Holtby. He can smell the finish line right now. And i got to be very careful. You look at five and a half in this game, buddy, I'm telling you, it's, a, it's an elimination game. Who's ever up, you might pull the goalie a little bit earlier. If Washington scores first or second, you know what Vegas gonna, is going to do? They're going to be desperate. So I'm going to tell you one thing. I'd actually lean to the over and not bet the total at all. And that plus 20 looks enticing, but Vegas is amazing on home ice. Well, that's, that's the thing that the total last night could have hit. When it was 4 nothing. if it just would have continued uh, that way, you know, the, the Washington Capitals didn't have any interest in scoring anymore, and Vegas were getting frustrated. But finally, Vegas got a break. A puck went in, and then, boom, another puck uh, goes in uh, for them. And then suddenly, boom, the game goes over. But that's what's tricky about these totals. And like, like Cam stated, now that we're into an elimination game uh, time, Crazy stuff happens. You know, Vegas will get desperate. Vegas are going to be a really desperate team out of the gate um, coming up on Thursday night, actually, not uh, Wednesday night, on uh, Thursday night. Um, it's, you know, it's, it was a hell of a run for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I think they do have one win left in them, one, uh, one win left uh, in them. But at the same point in time, it wouldn't shock me if the Washington Capitals just finished uh, finished them up. So as I mentioned, we got to worry about the damn baseball games uh, tonight. we got basketball tomorrow, and um, the point spread is four and a half right now. And really, you know, the big story in the sports world right now isn't even really a sports story. It's, 
it's this uh, White House visit, the Philadelphia Eagles, Donald Trump, and uh, no doubt, listen, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this topic uh, today, because really I'm just tired of it. It's all just divisive uh, bullcrap, so to speak, to, to really just sort of keep people arguing. Every freaking day, man, people wake up on Twitter and argue about whether a gay couple should have a cake baked by a Christian baker. Uh, and now you're going to argue about uh, the national anthem and about the White House. And, like, who really, quite frankly, gives a shit whether a team goes to the White House or not to, you know, to celebrate? Like, really? Like, next week, Donald Trump's meeting with Kim Jong-un. All right? We're talking about, like, you know, nuclear war meetings type of stuff. There's more important things going on in the world than this. And everybody everybody falls into this trap. So I don't really want to fall into the trap. Now, I respect everybody's opinion uh, on this. But, you know, to me, this isn't like, ooh, you know, the, the big debate of the day, uh, so to speak. Because it never freaking ends, uh, this, you know, quote-unquote debate of the day. It's fake outrage on both sides. Just as it was with the anthem crap. I mean, you know, it is. Donald Trump's using this as a political uh, tool and a political, you know, I think tool is the best, uh, the best word to rile up his base. NFL players, Colin Kaepernick had a noble concept when he started protesting, but let's not pretend that every freaking NFL player is Nelson Mandela right now, and they all have a message besides get the hell out of my way and where's my money, right? So that's the thing. There's people can be right on all sides of, of these things, but nobody ever really wants to uh, to listen to the other side, so it never goes anywhere. But the media loves it, the politicians love it, and uh, the players actually like it because it gets their message out there. But where I'm going with this is you got the NBA Finals right now, and instead of talking about the games today, it's all about, well, will the Cleveland Cavaliers go to the, uh, the White House if they win? Well, first off, they're not going to win. Secondly, uh, uh, yeah, they're going to the White House, like as if. Unless the White House is like a strip club in Atlanta or something. No, they're not going to the White House. <laughs> like, and like, you know, it, is it even like a point of asking if the Golden State Warriors are going to any White Houses uh, right now? They didn't go last time. You know, they, they went to a museum uh, last time. So, you know, here we are right now, instead of talking about, from a political standpoint, it's not, instead of talking about real issues that are going on, in the world, and there are all a lot of crazy things that are going on right now. You know, we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and Donald Trump and the White House. And, um, you know, we could go on and on. You look at the NBA Finals. They're talking about the same type of crap. And it, it never ends. Every day, people, every day, if you wake up in the morning wanting to be upset about something, trust me, it won't take long. It's like the saying, like, if you're looking for a fight in life, you know what, you'll probably find one eventually, right? And, People just wake up and squawk. I've been talking about this forever, and it never freaking ends, man. It never ends. I thought that the LeBron, I thought that the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan debate was stale and frustrating, and I wanted to punch people in the face about it. But this is even worse. Let's please go back to just talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan, who's better at this point in time. You know, like uh, years ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, was uh, Monday Night Football. It was like really bad weather, okay? It was really bad weather, and they had to cancel the national anthem. They didn't show it. They just started the game because they were like, we got to get this going right now. Nobody complained. Nobody knew. 
right? You know, every, you know, it's, it's like Bill Clinton yesterday. Bill Clinton's a sleazeball, all right? We've known that Bill Clinton's a sleazeball for the last 30 years, but they want to relive it right now. And, you know, at what point, it's like, yeah, we know he's a sleazeball. You know, so it's now people have run out of things to get angry about in today's world, so we're going to go back 20 years and bitch about things that happened uh, 20 years ago. So point being, let's just try to pick some winners uh, here. Although we will get Big Man on campus's take on this, and I don't think Big Man's a big fan of Donald Trump, and I know he's a big fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he happens to live in Philadelphia. So as much as I just stated I don't want to freaking talk about this too much, we'll talk about it with Big Man on campus because he is in Philadelphia. And I'm interested in Philly's take on this and I'd almost love to get Donnie Wrightside on as well because Donnie Wrightside it's it's a classic example big man on campus and Donnie Wrightside they both do shows together they're both diehard Philadelphia fans yet they're on different sides of this Donnie loves Donald Trump. Big man, I think, is more of a Bernie Sanders type of guy. We should get him on to debate this. Big man on campus will step up and then. Mike Blewett, Scott Angle, all that and more. Ready and race. Game time decisions continues. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. And the earth begins to rumble. Man, this place is actually filling up uh, here. It's a pretty rowdy uh, cafe, I'll tell you that much. Blue Jays, Toronto Yankees uh, this evening. You know, the Blue Jays are like 10-1 and one against the New York Yankees. The last 11 times Marco Estrada has uh, started the game. Yet, I still like the Yankees uh, tonight with uh, CC Sabathia. Uh, on the hill. All right, uh, Florio, do we have a uh, big man on campus uh, stepping up and in uh, from South uh, Philadelphia? Big man. What's going on, big man? How are you guys? What's up? Good stuff, uh, big man. Good stuff. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, for joining us here uh, this afternoon. We're kicking it. We're across the street from the Rogers Center, actually. Your favorite team, the, the Yankees, are here. Taking on That's the Toronto great. Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, we're right across the street in a cafe uh, across the street from the stadium. So if you hear, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally a coffee and ice cream uh, shop, but it's, it's, it's hopping. There's a lot of hot chicks here, actually, too. Sounds awesome. I'll tell you, though, I don't know if it's going to be a good night for the Toronto Blue Jays. They've really struggled against lefties this year, Gabe. And I'll tell you what, CC struggled lately. This might be a good matchup for him going forward. Uh, might be a good time to uh, jump on the CC bandwagon again. 
Yeah, especially after um, Aaron Judge last night. And, you know, we do a lot of fantasy talk here, obviously, big man. And you look at Aaron Judge yesterday, he struck out five times last night, seven times, I believe, as a whole uh, yesterday. You know he's going to go off and just absolutely freaking crush one. And he's 8-for-20 in his career against Marco Estrada with two home runs. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Judge do some damage uh, tonight in this game. I like the Yankees tonight, too. Sure. Don't disagree at all. Have fun, though. It's a good place to be. I, I'm sure the weather's nice. Uh, the women are out. And, uh, Gabe, you get yourself a nice little frozen treat. I like it. Yeah, exactly. We get Cam. Cam's been talking about how he, he knows how to make soft, uh, soft uh, serve uh, ice cream now. So we'll get Cam to serve us up uh, some, some cones uh, a little bit uh, later on. So I brought this up earlier, big man, with this Philadelphia stuff and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not saying it's not worthy of being talked about, but you, I think you know as well as I do that it's just sort of a constant, um, a constant distraction. It's a constant argument. It's a constant debate. Yesterday or a couple of days ago, it was whether um, whether or not um, you know gay bakers or a gay couple get a cake made, and it's just it's an argument. And you know, on a daily basis, from the national anthem to Kaepernick to just everything, people never stop arguing. And you know, the media love it because the media profits off this stuff, and and the politicians like it because it's a distraction from real issues and it riles up their base. So I hate almost falling into the trap uh, of like, oh, and this and that and falling for it. That's not really my thing. I'm here to pick winners. But at the same point in time, the whole thing is ridiculous. I always see both sides of all arguments. Uh, but when it comes down to this, I thought the quote where they sort of jumped the shark here was, no, listen, number one, Fox, big man, Fox showing pictures of the Philadelphia Eagle players kneeling when that's them praying before a game is like, that's just... It's pathetic. You know, they're, it's not like they had a lot of credibility to begin with. That's extremely freaking sad. And I think the quote that the Philadelphia Eagles let their fans down, you're an Eagle fan, you might beg to differ. They won the Super Bowl. I don't think they let their fans down. Well, no, they didn't let anyone down. And listen, we need to, we need to get away from this visiting the White House thing anyway. It's a photo op, especially for a guy that just absolutely loves photo ops. This was a divisive way. Uh, for him to be a baby that he is, like always, uh, and run away and cry because people don't want to stoop to this level. Maybe he should think more about the comments he makes about athletes that, you know, should be kicked out of the country if they don't want to agree with certain things or, or everything else. You can't expect a team that's 80% black, Gabe, to accept that. That's not going to be something. It's basically like accepting it. They're not going to go and support that. And if he doesn't want people to, 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 to turn away his invites, then – uh, he should make those comments. You know, and then today it was asked about LeBron James. And obviously LeBron James, I don't think Cleveland are winning, but Golden State did, didn't already go. I mean, really, is this going to be a thing every time a team goes or not? Because it just it doesn't end, right? I mean, I didn't think the felt. What I find interesting about this is some of the, some of the New England Patriot players went. Some of them didn't go. Right. right. I guess this time the Eagles were going to send ten a delegation of ten. But what are people in Philadelphia saying about this? What are Eagle fans saying about this on local radio? Well, all I've heard is is again, and we have to keep this in mind. There are obviously people that have certain agendas. For one, one of the the radio stations is 
most of the callers are fairly in uniform with, you know, hey, what do we expect? I, I don't really think this has you know, any bearing on the season. It is, uh, you know, something that people – I think we're going to use as a way to talk about politics. But, listen, you mentioned the vile behavior by Fox News this morning, kind of trying to shore up their argument by including. I mean, you had one picture, Gabe, with Jason Peters at the practice facilities. And that's just a practice facility photo. It's just mostly uh, negative, though, on the Donald Trump level. Um, yeah, so these guys are these, happy and proud. These guys, so basically Fox the number one news outlet in America basically look for a bunch of pictures of anyone on a Philadelphia Eagles on a knee, whether it was a practice, whether they were taking a drink of water, whether they were praying. I mean, like they got Zach Ertz. I saw that Zach Ertz tweeted. He's not too happy. They got pictures of him. He's like, guys, we were, uh, we were stretching before the game. <laughs> it's like, sure. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so for the most, you know, I mean, Gabe, keep, keep in mind, this is something that must be discussed. This is a guy that basically um, basically said if you don't kneel, you're, you're anti-American or whatever. Um, if, if, if you – and he targeted people in the NFL. Keep in mind, no one from the Eagles has knelt all year, Gabe. That, that's something that needs to be discussed. No one from the Philip Eagles knelt once, um, and, and he continues he mentions that. But, listen, for someone that's so passionate and so um, patriotic – this is a guy that avoided many wars to, to fight for his own country. This is a guy that, when it benefits him, um, he'll comment. He'll be uh, on his soapbox about it. But when it doesn't, and it's something that he doesn't agree with, he runs away and cries. Listen, at the end of the day, this shouldn't happen anymore. We don't need a photo op of the president, uh, especially one that makes comments like this. A great point that I saw, and it was from the press, uh, it was from Sarah Huckabee Sanders' press conference earlier today. today. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I was talking about this yesterday. We know what happened yesterday with the um, with the baker, right? So a, a gay couple sure. is getting married. Uh, a baker says, "I don't want to bake you a cake. I don't want to bake you a cake." And it goes to the Supreme Court. Is it discrimination or is it their "quote unquote" religious freedom not to bake the cake? And once again, I see both sides of this. If the guy doesn't want to bake the cake for somebody, doesn't want to bake the cake. Yet, if you're the couple, just go somewhere else and get the caters, you know. So, whatever. This is the society that we live in. We argue about these things. But it was interesting. Somebody asked Sarah Huckabee Sanders and said, "If because she said, I want to applaud the decision of, uh, of the courts and what happened. Um, that, you know, supporting the religious freedom. And this is America in which, you know, if the baker doesn't want to make the cake, he doesn't have to make the cake. And then one of the, some, one of the journalists in the room asked, well... How can you support a baker not to make a cake, but you can't support NFL players to make a statement during the national anthem? She didn't have an answer to that. Not. But it's always like that. It's like Ice-T stated, though, isn't it, big man? Freedom of speech, just watch what you say. Everybody loves freedom of speech until they disagree what somebody wants to say. Sure. And, and listen, I, I'll be the first to admit I, I'm not always the most – uh, I'm, I'm one of, I am a divisive person. I don't like to hear certain things that are, that are said, but I don't really incline and, and think that there's any reason to think that the Philadelphia Eagles don't have a right to not go somewhere if they don't want to go. Um, it's hypocrisy by her. But, again, she called it a political stunt. Her whole career has been a political stunt, so I'm not sure what she has any room to talk there as far as if it was or wasn't. 
I support this team. I love this team. I love them even more for standing up and being the voices that the NFL needs, especially in the divisive times we're in right now. Uh, they didn't kowtow like Roger Goodell did. They stood their ground. And, I, and we as a city, I think, ultimately uh, support that. You know, ultimately as well, as a Buffalo Bill fan, big man, it always upsets me every year when people pick on the Patriots and just sort of poke the bear and piss them off. I'm like, you just motivated them again. You know what I mean? You just kept them focused again. From a football standpoint, this is, I think, a good story for the Philadelphia Eagles, actually. You know, what? what's the biggest concern when teams win Super Bowls? Complacency after the fact. Sure. You know, teams lose a little bit of that hunger. They're not quite as focused anymore. Now it's sort of us against the world, and the season hasn't even started yet. And whether they like it or not, suddenly the Philadelphia Eagles are now in this story with Cap. Now they're almost like the new Kaepernick. Kaepernick's gone. Trump needed a new Kaepernick, and he found one in you guys, essentially. That, that might that's be, what I'm saying. And I'll tell you, you what, that's, a, that's a good point by you, and I'll tell you what. Um, I think you're going to also continue to see this bulletin board material type stuff. You look at the uh, ESPN, uh, Gabe. They, ranked, they did their FPI ratings recently. Now, keep in mind, the Philadelphia Eagles won the world championship, and they're not the number one power-rated team going into the season. Um, keep in mind, they're better than they were last year at the end of the year. Um, and I think you're totally right. They're going to use this as bulletin more material. The only concern I have is tomorrow the team is available to the media. Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Doug Peterson, <laughs> all will speak to the media. My concern is there were, and this is from Eagle sources, there were four people on this team player-wise that chose to go see the president. Only four. One of them was Nick Foles. I don't know if that was a choice of his or it was, hey, you were the MVP of the Super Bowl. It's probably important that you be there. But you will have people that would try to divisively use this as a way to say, look, look at Carson and Nick Foles. They wanted to go to the, uh, see the president, and others didn't. I'd be wondering to see if that, that's drummed up here. I don't think it's a problem. This team's obviously very united, but it'll be interesting to see who those players were that would have went if they had the chance. You know, I remember reading a great piece on the Denver Broncos, and like, listen, big man, NFL players, and I brought this up earlier. Yes, there are a few players that are, and I'm not saying every NFL player is not intelligent. There are really smart guys, and they have messages, and they're, they're intelligent, smart people. Uh, but at the same point in time, not every player in the NFL is Nelson Mandela uh, here, right? <laughs> you know, so it's not like every player uh, is Nelson Mandela. But at the, at the same point in time, you know, I was reading a great piece about the Denver Broncos, and it was during, during the election. And it was, does Donald Trump and the election and Hillary Clinton and all this stuff separate the team? And they basically stated no. Like, one guy, you know, they were all stating no one really cares who anyone else voted for. And really, there was 53 guys on the team, and only like seven of them voted. So it's not like NFL locker rooms are really that political to begin with. You know, they're really not. I mean most of the NFL players don't actually vote, right? So they're just sort of getting drawn into this. But remember last year, dude, with Ben Roethlisberger, when the Steelers stayed in the tunnel, what did Ben do after the fact? He distanced himself. I really didn't want to do it, right, a couple of days later. Without a doubt, it causes a little bit of friction within a team, but I think it's more unifying than anything. Yeah, and I think that's what you're mainly going to see out of this. And like, like you said, I think you made a good point. I think this is something that, um, look, the, the Eagles are at this point, 
the, the, the trendy team. They won the Super Bowl. They obviously have a – you look at this team, uh, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Michael Bennett, all polarizing figures in this um, you know, fight against injustice. So yeah, this is going to be something that the Eagles will be a divisive team as the season opens. Uh, and uh, that's a good point. They are kind of like the new Kaepernick's. Um, listen, Gabe, I've said to you, uh, I'll say it to anyone, and I have no um, issue saying it. I support Colin Kaepernick. I think he's a great individual. He's a hero of mine. Uh, and I find that um, if my team can be that second in command and maybe be the same type of hero, this is what heroes are. Uh, this is the same kind of fight that um, the Freedom Riders and uh, different civil rights activists did, uh, Vietnam uh, protesters. Protesting's been going on since we've uh, been a country. Um, we need to stop, you know, making it a divisive tactic. These are people that believe certain things. And I'm happy that my team's the forefront leader in uh, protesting. You know, that, that's the thing, once again, too. People believe in protest until they don't. <laughs> until they don't agree. They don't agree with what uh, somebody is uh, somebody is protesting. Okay, 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 let me ask you. Would it have mattered at all if, let's say, a month ago they said, we're not going to the White House? Do you think it would be any different today than it was today? It has still been no, a story. No, I don't think. It has still been. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as much. But one thing as well, too, the media is to blame for this big man. The media feasts off of this. Donald Trump is like a, you know, he's like a fountain for, for thirsty birds. He never stops. It's just, it's, it's constant. I just came up with that, too. It's, it's constant. I was thinking about that because I saw a bunch of poor pigeons in the sun the other day. I was like, man, you know, these guys got to find, like, a, a pond or they got to find, like, they got to find something, a fountain somewhere. But, you know, basically the media profits off of this, right? They love this. You know, listen, slow news week, whatever, fine. Chris Cuomo tonight can bitch for an hour about this, and they can get the talking heads on, they get the guest on, they bitch back and forth, they go back and forth, and it never ends. And you know what? They, they get good ratings for it. That's the thing. You know, Trump is kicking back and saying, excellent. Like, he, he wants to start a civil war here. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not literally and figuratively, but... You know, they want to sort of cause problems, and, and, and the networks love it. The networks encourage this stuff. The networks encourage the, the arguments. I almost wanted to get you and Donnie on at the same time to, uh, to do that. Pit you guys together, because well, you're both Eagle fans, that, but you're on opposite sides of this, I would imagine. Yeah, that, that probably wouldn't be the best idea, I'll say that, Gabe. But I will say this. Uh, if CNN's interested, I'll gladly come on and be an um, Eagle fan that has a certain view, and, I, and I'll... And I'll do that if they're interested. I'm a very passionate fan, as you know. But, Gabe, one more thing, but I know we have to hit a break here. Here's what I will say, and I saw a funny tweet. Today the Eagles are doing OTAs. I don't know if you know, but they're still they're practicing. I saw a tweet that they can still grapple with a big orange dummy and they won't have to board a bus to D.C. All they have to do is hit one of the orange uh, tackle dummies. So it's much different than normal, Gabe. <laughs> big man. Big man on uh, campus. Uh, with us. All right. On the other side with Big Man, we'll hit uh, tonight's baseball games. Uh, we'll talk uh, NBA. We're now just one week away from the World Cup, Big Man. Rapidly approaching. I can't wait. Yes. Yes, I'm excited. And um, you know, we're starting to put together our parlays uh, for this. i got to cash the Golden State Warriors uh, parlay or uh, future and then roll that over on some qualify and not to qualify parlays. In the World Cup, all right, we'll hit the games on the other side here with Big Man on Campus. Red Heat and Rage Radio, Game Time Decision continues.
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Game time decisions continues. Don't forget, if you want to win two tickets to a World Series game this year, 2018 World Series game, go over to um, dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. And um, you can play free daily fantasy baseball. And if you're good at it and you actually win, you can win two tickets to a World Series game. Um, you remember uh, DKMS were very, very, um, very, very generous, and uh, they, they gave our listeners two tickets to the Super Bowl, so it's a very similar concept. Of course, um, DKMS, uh, they fight blood cancer. It's very difficult for people to find bone marrow transplant uh, donors in their own family. Up to 14,000 people a year need your help, and um, DKMS help those people that need your help so help dkms check them out dailyroto.com slash dkms play free uh, fantasy baseball and uh, you're supporting a good cause as well all right uh, big man on campus the question is who's going to be playing in the world series we're focusing so much in on the nba finals the stanley cup we've got the world the world cup set to begin we're not ready to start nailing down uh, world series uh, predictions yet but we're a couple of months into the baseball season now big man and it's like bill parcell said you are what your record says you are yeah, you're totally right, and, and I'll tell you what, Gabe, it's been quite the season so far. A lot of teams you don't really expect to see there, and then you see some teams that you do expect to see there. I'll tell you a team that really, a few teams have really shown me something is the Seattle Mariner Ball Club, 37-22. and They've really kind of uh, gotten through the whole losing Robinson Cano. You look at the top of this lineup, really good. Dee Gordon, Gene Segura, a good group of guys right up front. This team is scoring runs. Um, they're not going to, you know, blow your socks off offensively, but their pitching's been very good. They've gotten great innings out of some of the back of their uh, rotation with uh, Marco Gonzalez and Mike Leake and guys like that. I like this baseball team right now. Uh, this team's starting to kind of buy in, I think, a little bit, and they're uh, silently in first place out in the AL West. Milwaukee's in first place. Um, Arizona has had the worst batting average in baseball, yet they still lead the NL West. Uh, and then you have a team like Baltimore, who we've seen many years in a row you know, contending for a playoff spot. You could make the case they're the worst team in baseball, barring you know, a couple other teams. It might be time for Buck Showalter to get the boot down in Baltimore. I agree with you as far as Seattle, a fun baseball team. When they lose Robinson Cano, and you're like, man, it sucks for them. Uh, but, you know, they haven't missed a beat. They're getting great uh, pitching. And, um, you know, Hannigan's uh, stepping up, uh, Segarra steps up for them, Nelson Cruz, etc. 15 games over 500, big, big series against the Houston Astros. And, you know, you look at this division right now, the Angels, Angels are a good baseball team. Ironically enough, they struggle at home, 15 and 18 at home, yeah. 18 and 10. But the Oakland Athletics are really slugging. These guys can really rake the, the baseball. 
The it's funny how like from you know a couple of years ago the American League West was pathetic, big man. It was terrible, right? You yeah. know now it's actually it's pretty competitive actually. Even if the Athletics are in wild card contention. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting because as we know and you know the AL Central is disastrous other than Cleveland Indians. I know Detroit's hanging around and they can really hit lefties. For anyone listening to that out there, the Detroit Tigers against a lefty game are a must bet. This team is absolutely fantastic against lefties. But the truth of the matter is they're all going to pipe from the loft. And this wild card is going to be interesting. Who's going to get that? It's either going to be Boston or New York, whoever does win the division there. Uh, and then you're going to fight it out in the AL West uh, with, with Seattle and with the Angels. Uh, it's going to be a fun summer in that division. You're totally right. Uh, all the teams, barring really Texas, are, are, are kind of throwing their hats in it. You know what's unbelievable? The um, the Toronto Blue Jays are actually 10-1 and against the New York Yankees the last 11 times Estrada started yep. against them, which is it's quite the number right there, but the eyeball speaks a little but, bit differently. You know, the Yankees played a doubleheader yesterday, and we're across the street right now. We're at uh, 366 uh, Front uh, Street, CNC Cafe, um, you know, right in the shadows of the Rogers Center. You know, the, the, the Yankees played a doubleheader yesterday. I think it's kind of a bad scheduling spot for them. But Detroit to Toronto, that's like a 38-minute charter flight, big man, right? So the Yankees went to yeah, bed and, and in a Toronto like, hotel room last night. The, the Yankees have had all sorts of travel issues. They've been stuck in airports several different times. So this is a walk in the park. And, you know, I think an interesting point you made on, you know, the fact that Toronto has owned the Yankees, keep in mind, those are much better Toronto teams and much worse Yankee teams. Um, yet, you know, you had guys that, you know, like David Price and, and guys like that, that, you know, you know Troy Tolowitzki and, and uh, Batista and those kind of guys. This is a shell of what Toronto once was. I mentioned their inability to hit lefties. We might see the CC we started to see at the beginning of the year. Yankees lead the MLB in most uh, offensive categories. This lineup's really good, no matter how you throw it in. Labor Torres is an absolute star. Um, you know, we mentioned Judge. Look, Judge's eight strikeouts this day. He's still hitting almost 300, 16 uh, home runs. Um, th- their lineup's going to be just fine. And Marco Strada has really struggled this year. Um, I think in this first series, you might really just want to back CC. I mean, he should have a pretty good outing tonight. I'm looking at the baseball board tonight. I see five or six games uh, that I like. Um, you know, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer on the hill here this evening. I was looking at Max Scherzer and potentially thinking, all right, I'll put him in a parlay with something. But then I'm like, why overthink it, big man? You know, it was the same thing last week against the Baltimore Orioles. Washington only scored a couple of runs, but it was enough on the run line. So I'll just bite the bullet and I'll take um, I'll take the Washington Nationals on the run line here. Even though Evaldi hasn't been terrible, Max Scherzer is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. He's so freaking consistent. And I don't know if you saw him last night, big man. It was hilarious. Him and Zimmerman were at the hockey game, and um, they were in uniform. Like, they had, it looked so goofy. He had, like, a helmet on and, like, the caps, and he had a hockey stick. He's like, let's go, caps. And you saw Bryce Harper looking like his usual uh, douchey self, all decked out in Vegas stuff last night. But um, Scherzer's just a stud. I'm going to lay the run and a half in this game. Yeah, the only thing that I would be concerned with, and it's, it's interesting cap scenario because Yavaldi is a hard thrower. He's one of the hardest throwers in baseball. And listen, frankly, uh, this Washington offense hasn't been great. I mean, they've been winning games just because of their pitching. 
just got to hope they can score enough runs. They should be able to. Um, but, you know, Yavaldi uh, had a nice start in his first half. He isn't a guy up running to the window to bet on. Uh, and that was against Oakland, a team that does strike out a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate that bet. Um, if I'm going to lay a big number as far as, uh, you know, a run line maybe, um, it would probably be the one I'd look at. But it's hard because, and in this case, Gabe, if you're thinking about maybe a two-team parlay, I would rather do that as opposed to the run line because if Max Scherzer comes out in the seventh inning, you still got to go through a bullpen that's not great. Um, they should get it done, but that offense isn't particularly good for the Nationals. Two teams going in completely different directions right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dodgers are 14-3, and three guys, in their last 17 baseball games. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates are 4-12 and 12 in their last 16 uh, baseball games. This Musgrove kid's a pretty good pitcher, though. I'll give him credit, but Stripling's also just a freaking beast. Short price uh, here for the Dodgers on the road tonight, and we're just waiting for the Dodgers to flick that switch, and it appears that they have right now. And I, w- I would expect the Dodgers to continue their uh, their torrid pace through the month of June. This is what they do, the Dodgers. Yeah. You know, last I talked yeah, about they, it. last year, guys, they were the first team ever in baseball history to have a 15-game or more winning streak and a 15-game or more losing streak in the same freaking season. That's how streaky they can be. Yeah, it's amazing what jo- uh, Justin Turner will do to your lineup. He comes right back, and they, they feel like they haven't missed a beat. But i got to tell you, Gabe, this is a tough game. This is a total coin flip. You have two good pitchers. You have two lineups uh, that, you know, again, the Dodgers are playing well. But Pittsburgh's been pretty good as well, offensively uh, this year. This one's a total coin flip to me. I don't see any, I don't see any angle in this game at all. Hey, big man, a lot of the time you look at Jason Vargas and you go, ah, you know, we're going to fade this guy, but actually pitching a little bit better the last couple starts. And uh, when you look at Alex Kolb in Baltimore, away from Camden Yards, this team's an absolute train wreck. I Look, I know it's in the National League Park, eight and a half with a couple of guys right there. I could think we could see some runs in your game. What's your opinion of uh, Baltimore and the New York Mets? Yeah, I'm not buying Vargas. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to buy into this guy. Um, this guy's been disastrous throughout the season. And, you know, Kim, I, I, you know, it is interesting. He has pitched well in two out of his last three. But you look at, he pitched well against Miami, then gets crushed against Milwaukee. Then he goes to Atlanta and pitches well. You would agree, I would agree with it, that Baltimore's not a former lineup. But then you look at Alex Cobb on the other side. He's been disastrous as well. I guess you're kind of thinking maybe this is one of those games where the whole world bets the over. Line hasn't moved at all, and it stays under and scored two. I see your angle there. It's just hard for me to take these pitchers and hope for no runs. I mean, these are two bad bullpens. These are two bad starters. And these are two lineups that, frankly, are they this bad that they can't hit these two starters? I would be sitting on my hands the whole game. This is not a game that really I, I want to bet an under and ever. I wouldn't touch the total uh, here because I don't trust Cobb enough on, on the total. Um, yeah. But I do trust Vargas here. I like the numbers. If you look. Adam Jones hits 172 against him. Chris Davis, 188. Manny Machado, 200 against Vargas. You're right. In his last three starts, he had, he had the bad one in the middle. He's had two out of the three, and it wasn't against, against elite competition. And I'll be honest, the Mets are one of these teams, man. If I take the Mets, they lose. If I bet against the Mets, they freaking win. It's very similar with the Braves. The Mets and the Braves sort of two nemesis. But listen, I know you got a video to do. Uh, coming up in a couple of minutes. You can follow Big Man on campus on Twitter at uh, Jeff Nadu. Um, so NBA Finals right now. I was talking earlier and patting myself on the back saying, oh, I took the Capitals in six. 
uh, to beat uh, to beat Vegas. But before this series started, I thought that Golden State in five really was the best-case scenario. Part of me wants to say sweep, but the fact is, guys, Golden State didn't, hasn't swept anybody in the playoffs this year. All right? They, uh, they were up 3-0 on San Antonio. They lost uh, game four. Um, they were up 2-0 on the Pelicans. They went on the road. They got smashed in game three. Um, they went to, uh, to Houston. They didn't have home court, so game one, uh, game one, they won on the road. Then they got smashed in game two uh, on the road. So the fact of the matter is, Golden State have lost a road game in all three series that they've played in so far this year, big man. And I think that Cleveland, LeBron didn't get any freaking calls. You know they're going to give LeBron a few calls uh, back at home on Wednesday night. I hate to do it because I'm not, you know, I have a future on the Warriors and I hate the Cavaliers and I'm not a LeBron James guy, but I think LeBron James plus the points is the play in game three. Yeah, it's funny, Gabe. We, we've never, you and I have never talked about that. That's news to me. I, I would love to talk to you about your disdain for LeBron James because I am a LeBron guy. I, I, you know, I really like the guy, and, and I don't understand how you could ever hate him, but that's another story. I, I also will say, though, that I don't know if we've seen a team this broken and battered. I mean, how, how do you really pick yourself up, really, at this point? I mean, you, you look at this team in general, they aren't capable, I feel like, unless Tyron Lue says, you know what, I'm going to put my differences aside and I'm going to take J.R. Smith out of the game. J.R. Smith should not be in a game. He shouldn't be, not right now. Uh, he hasn't played well at all. He's been a, as we saw, he's been a liability. We need to see Rodney Hood more in this game. Uh, you got to hope Andre Guadalla doesn't come back. Uh, he's been questionable now. He's not totally out. If he doesn't come back, maybe they have a chance. If they're going to win a game, it's in game three. But what team are we going to see? Are we going to see the one that almost won in Golden State? And, and if not for a blunder, they probably do win. Uh, or are we going to see the one that just totally threw in the towel in the third and fourth quarter? I don't know if they can beat the Warriors. I just I don't think LeBron can do it all. And he, he looks like a broken guy right now. No, they'll be rejuvenated. They'll be rejuvenated. It was the same stuff against Boston, big man. They, no, go back home. The NBA doesn't want to sweep either, right? The NBA wants to get, yeah, you know, no, they know, I, I keep, they know keep, this isn't going seven. They know it's not going. They know hearing. it's not going seven. But so they, at least they can get another week. Look, they only play every four days. These guys, you get another sure. game out of this, you stretch that another ten days. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I keep hearing about the NBA doesn't want this and they don't want that. Well, listen, everything that they haven't wanted has come to fruition. Um, I don't know. I, no, they got exactly I, what they wanted. They got seven. They got game sevens in both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. They got exactly what yet, they wanted. Which is funny, though, because we still hear about how bad these playoffs have been and all this kind of thing. I do agree, though. If they're going to win, it's this one. I will say this, though. I just don't really want to bet against Golden State. It, it just, I, I, I don't want to do it. As, as a basketball guy, I just don't want to do it. I hate Golden State. I can't stand this team. I think they're the most unlikable team we've seen in some time in pro sports. But I'll tell you what, they're damn The Golden good. State Warriors uh, are unlikable? Yes. What's the unlikable about, besides, besides Draymond Green, what's unlikable about them? What, Steph Curry smiles every, too much? Steph Curry's an arrogant little guy that basically parades around uh, like he's better than everybody else, and he can show people up, and when they call him out for it, he runs and hides. Klay Thompson's just... I don't really have a big problem with him. Kevin Durant's a, a guy that couldn't win on his own, so he we went and joined the team. It's basically similar to saying, Gabe, that 
you want to lose your virginity. So instead of working for it, uh, you go go and buy a hooker. I mean, you won a championship, great, but um, look what he had he to do. Was to do. He, he was the MVP. He was. But he, and he was didn't the MVP. win anything. Did Roger Clemens like sell himself? Did Rod? Did Roger Clemens sell himself out when he joined the Yankees? You, you can make the case he did. Okay, and I, I won't. I won't not admit that. Um, I don't like this team. I think the NBA is sick of seeing them. I think as fans, we're sick of seeing it. Uh, I'm tired of seeing it. Uh, we need something different. <laughs> I don't like this team, and I think there's a lot to not like about them. Um, I just love just, the irony. Uh, I love the irony of you being a Philly sports fan. Of the Sixers, the Eagles, <laughs> you're like Golden State, the most unlikable guys and unlikable team in sport. <laughs> but I think you know what it does, Gabe. It has a lot to do with the fact. I think for me and for a lot of people, they win everything, and it, you know, I'm just kind of sick of it, frankly. Um, and I want someone to dethrone them, and that's why so badly I pray. Listen, I LeBron love you, big man. Says, I, I, yeah. I love you, bro, but. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are a hell of a lot more annoying than Steph Curry is. And the difference is Steph Curry's actually good and done yeah, something. I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure what's not likable about Ben Simmons. I mean, ben, what does Ben Simmons do that that's unlikable? Uh, Joel Embiid is, is a bit of a of a of a clowny kind of guy. He likes to have fun and, and make jokes and, and bother people. But and look, I didn't co sign his whole, you know, talking about Aaron Baines. I mean, he was sitting at home against a team that beat him and he's talking uh, crap against them. I, I hear you. I just you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they win a lot, and um, I just don't. No, like I know, I know. It's, I usually, it's usually like that. All right, I know you got to get out of here. We're going into a break uh, here momentarily okay. as well. Big man on campus. Uh, follow him on Twitter at uh, Jeff at Nay. Do check him out over at hey, the SDR YouTube page. Yo. Hey Gabe, uh, can I? We, I want to say one thing to Cam. Listen, Cam, I heard you're quite the ice cream guy. Uh, I expect you to bring some uh, whenever I see you. I hear you're quite the ice cream guy. Oh, we got all sorts of flavors, big man. Anything you need. Oh, that sounds great. Guys, thanks. See you. I'll come. Big Mount Campus with us. Mike Blewett will step up in it next. We'll ask Mike if he hates the Golden State Warriors. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Game Time Decisions. All right, level two, let's do this thing. Thanks to Big Man on Campus for stepping up and, and uh, joining us. Don't forget, if you play DFS and you haven't tried out MyBookie.ag's player props, then you're missing out. Their player props tools allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in DFS. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. 
Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassles of dealing with late scratches. Go to mybookie.ag, open up a new account, enter promo code GTD. You'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. Often a player say, well, um, you know, be chalk in DFS and be owned in like 80% of tournaments because everyone thinks the play is obvious. Don't be a loser and eat DFS chalk. Be a winner. Play mybookie.ag's player props. Plus, you can access the one sport not touched by DFS, the sport of kings. Horse racing. Check out mybookie.ag. Open up an account. Enter promo code GTD. Get a 50% deposit bonus and check out their uh, player props tool. And we'll give you a little tip uh, tomorrow with the player props tool. Take LeBron James over. Uh, LeBron James going back to uh, to Cleveland uh, is going to absolutely kill it. You know, the prop will probably be 35 and a half points. Um, you know, the other night he sort of, he was frustrated all night. And I think he still got to 26 uh, or so. He's going to get every damn call. Let's go over the number with LeBron James uh, props. Let's bring in uh, Mike Blewett uh, right now. Mike, it's always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? Doing great, guys. Uh, excited for a little chat here and obviously game three, which is coming up uh, tomorrow. Yeah, you know, uh, Mike, so we just had a big man on campus on, and he's from Philadelphia. Uh, people from Philadelphia, um, the, the the color of the sky isn't necessarily blue all the time. It's green <laughs> there at times. Yeah. But it was funny. Yeah. It's funny that big man on campus just told me he's sick of the Golden State Warriors because they're such an unlikable team. He said they're just so unlikable, this team, and he's sick of them. And it's funny because I've been saying for a couple of years it's almost like the opposite in that for a team, and I get it, no one ever likes the winning teams. I mean, when you New York Yankees are winning all the time, people either love Derek Jeter or they absolutely, man, the Yankees make me sick type of thing. Duke, you know, we get it. You know, the dynasty, the dynastic type teams are going to have their haters. But I've always sort of looked at Golden State as an anomaly here, Mike, in that they're not really as hated as a lot of winning teams are Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe because I don't hate them. I'm not seeing the hatred from outside, but I really don't see it. I mean, besides Draymond Green, who's an unlikable guy on that team? Well, I'm I'm with you in general, just to state where I sit. I, I enjoy watching them play, and I do think if this team had been built solely organically, that people would probably still find a way to not like Steph Curry doing the shimmies or Draymond Green doing his antics. I think it's gamesmanship. Sometimes it goes over the line. He gets technicals. He got a suspension that cost him an NBA Finals. So I get all of that. I do think, though, that introducing Kevin Durant onto the team and making it a quote-unquote super team has caused some people to find them unlikable, as if they are one of the Yankees-type teams where they spent a bunch of money to put an all-star team together. I think some people perceive it that way. I don't, but some people do. I know. I know you're right. You're right. I get that. But Draymond Green was drafted. Steph Curry yeah. was drafted. Clay Thompson yeah. was drafted. And none of them first overall. Like every other team, you know, other teams could have signed Andre Iguodala. Other teams, you know, besides Sean the Knicks could have offered Sean Livingston, could have offered Steve Kerr a job. You go down the list, and, yeah. you know, big man brought that up too. Oh, and Kevin Durant, it's like someone losing their virginity, uh, you know, with a hooker type thing that you know he could he he could he couldn't win on his own not there's anything wrong with losing your virginity with a hooker i get it i didn't but not there's anything wrong with it um uh but i mean kevin durant was the damn mvp i mean it's yeah. it's sort of it's funny you know it's sort of like we were talking about the politics earlier we'll sort of get to that but 
It's like freedom of speech. Everyone likes freedom of speech until they don't like what somebody's saying, right? I mean, I people hate people hate teams that want to win when that's you wish your team would want to win and say, you know what? I mean, what's different than the Golden State Warriors and the New England Patriots in the sense that they win often, yet they want to continuously bring in the best possible players? I agree. They are trying to find a solution to bring in anybody and everybody they can to help them win. David West, while he doesn't get a lot of minutes, he did the other night, he has been a guy that has consistently taken below market value so he could be part of a winning team. He's already been paid well during his career, but David West could have been going around getting bigger deals for more money, certainly a few years ago, and he's found himself in a likable situation. To your point, anybody could add Sean Livingston. Anybody. That guy's a reclamation project who's come from, back from devastating injury to find a role on one of one of the NBA's dynasties, potential dynasties. I don't know if some people would balk at that term yet, but they win three out of four. I'm, I'm putting that title on them. So, uh, so I, to yeah, your so point, I. I, I find them to be likable. I do find when they're in their mode of moving the ball around, five guys touching it, hitting threes, I don't care that it's a three-pointer. I think it's really good basketball and fun to watch. Mike Blewett uh, with us, and you know, it's, you, you look you look at the Golden State Warriors, and and I think I think it is safe to say that uh, that they're a modern dynasty, at least at least in this era, their dominance. You know, you win three titles in four years. I think I think they are. But what's amazing yeah. to me is why anyone would help them. So I'm saying I don't dislike these guys, but why? Like if they're if they're so cap challenged, right? And it's like okay, they have all these stars, but man, you know, okay, every team would just sign three or four guys only, uh, have superstars if they could, you know, get a bunch of guys to play for the minimum. So where I'm going with this is Jordan Bell, great example. Why would the Chicago Bulls? Wouldn't Jordan Bell be a type of young player that I don't know, a young up and coming team like the Chicago Bulls would want, as opposed to selling them? It's almost like helping them. All right, we know you guys are screwed, so how about you take this great young kid that will play for $835,000? That's the type of thing that baffles me. Like, I wouldn't help them out if I was the rest of the league at this point. I don't hate them, but I'm always, like, whenever I see Jordan Bell make a play, I always think, why didn't the Bulls just keep this kid? The Bulls have managed to help a number of teams. They've helped the Pelicans. They've helped the Warriors. They've blown themselves up uh, six ways from Sunday. So uh, I agree. I, I, think, I think the really good team. We're talking Patriots, San Antonio Spurs, Golden State Warriors now. Start, start to put them in this camp. They find a way for guys on any level to fit into their system. If it doesn't work, they move them out or they diminish playing time. But if it works, people say, gosh, how do they do this? I just think that those teams have a very specific way of finding the guys that they know are going to fit their system. It's almost like certain college coaches – no, they can only recruit certain types of players that fit within their system, whether it's University of Virginia in the style that they play or other teams that play certain styles, Jim Beheim from Syracuse, a certain system that will work. This is just that at the pro level in some ways. So I want to talk about LeBron James a little bit, and I guess I should call him King James right now. It's at this point, and the sort of sympathy card that's coming from from everyone. 
well, he can't do it by himself. He, you know, he doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. Yet, was it the same way when he was winning with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in Miami when they were beating up on Dallas? Um, you know, it's amazing. Like, and I, I get it. J.R. Smith screwed up. You know, J.R. You know, J.R. Smith screwed up. George Hill is the one that missed the stupid free throw. Yet, yeah. I think LeBron James and his poutiness and his because after people are like, oh, he stood up for J.R. Smith. No, he didn't. He showed him up on the court. You see the video after. He wouldn't make eye contact with him on the bench after. He immediately yeah. started freaking out. And I think he's just bad vibe to everybody going into overtime. And then, quite frankly, there were a couple of times, Mike, there was one play. He didn't get the foul that he wanted, so he quit. He didn't go back on defense. He stood in the corner. When they came back to the other end, he didn't get involved in the play. And, you know, it's sort of, you know, King James can do no wrong right now with the media at all, yet... I actually see a lot of selfish traits uh, with King James. And, you know, Kevin Love plays great. And, you know, 21 and 13 in game one, he's still a stiff. Everyone's a bum. Like, there's no credit yeah. for anyone on Cleveland if they play well. Yet if they lose, they're the big scrubs. They're the ones, you know, they're the pariahs. And it's, oh, poor LeBron when they don't. To me, that act is kind of old, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a whole bunch of that. The number one thing is, Kevin Love is getting caught up in the wash and all this, is saying there's nobody on this team. Kevin Love is an all-star several times over and a really good player. I think because LeBron overshadows him so much, we tend to focus on the bad times with Kevin Love and not talking about how he has a 21-13 and 13 night. It doesn't get talked about. Obviously, what happened at the end of that game overshadowed everything else. We could have been talking about his contributions, George Hill's contributions, and LeBron having the greatest finals game of all time. I do think the general tone of your point, though, is that LeBron at times maybe doesn't show some love to his teammates. I do think that there's a sense amongst players in the NBA that they're not sure if they want to play for him, play with him. I thought Pete, there was a sense of that in the NBA towards the end of Kobe's career as well that maybe I think Kobe just, wasn't you just, a great guy to be around. You, ju you just said it in the little slip. I think it was a Freudian slip. You said players don't want to play for him. Oh, I mean play with him. Because I think that's the key that's right, right there. You're not you're not that's playing right. with him. You're playing you're playing for him. I think that no you, doubt. you just that, that's that, that's the definition of Freudian slip. I'm getting deep today, Mike. Yeah, you are. You are and you got me, but it's it's spot on because I do get the sense that Look, it's somewhat anecdotal, and some people have downplayed the impact that LeBron has on the franchise and the moves that he can make. But clearly, this team was blown up right before the trading deadline because LeBron wasn't happy. They didn't feel like they were going to have the supporting cast to get them there. Now here they are. Some of the supporting cast that they traded for are zeros. Rodney Hood and uh, Jordan Clarkson, those yep. guys are zeros so far in the playoffs but look going um, back look going back look going back we remember remember a couple of years ago even lebron james a picture in the hot tub here with my guys kevin love wasn't yeah. in the picture and we always yeah. you know if kevin love's been a whipping boy for years there all right and then kyrie irving is there kyrie irving's one of the best young players in the international basketball association essentially got tired of dealing with lebron's crap and, and never sure. having a ball and and basically, LeBron wants everyone to just go stand in the corner, shut up, and hit a three when I tell you to. And he's had good players around him, and he runs them out of town, or he treats them like crap. 
And there's the thing with LeBron. To me, Mike, he wants to be the guy. He wants the triple doubles. He likes to have the stats and the ball in his hand all the time. So he's the hero. He is the king after. And the only way you do that is with yes men. But then when the yes men don't get it done, then suddenly they get drilled and, hey, it's not me, it's not me. That's sort of the attitude that bothers me about LeBron the most. Yeah, the only thing I would counter with, though, is he is a very good distributor of the basketball. He does try to get guys involved. I do think it's oh, a my not way a or the highway player. situation. Right. So right. I do he's think it's a my way or the highway player. situation, um, which is frustrating. Look, any professional athlete, the, the amount of work and obstacles that they've had to overcome to get to this point is astronomical. So to have somebody at that point then tell you, you got to listen to me or you're going to be off this team, is difficult. Um, I, I do find the thing with Kyrie that you mentioned to be curious in that LeBron just came out recently to sort of set the record straight about him not really wanting to trade Kyrie and that they tried to work it out. They spent three seasons together. You're telling me that you just started to try to work it out at the end of the situation? <laughs> What was happening in the three years that you played together? Kyrie obviously struggled through a really miserable rookie year. He's had some injuries, but it got to the point where he didn't want—he wanted out. He didn't want to be on the same team as you. Maybe it was to form his own legacy. Maybe he just was done with it. You—you you can't say one way or the other. I don't think Kyrie's going to set the record straight on that specifically for a long time. But everybody is free to assume that it had to do with not being on the same roster as LeBron. Hey, to me, I'll never forget uh, with uh, with Bosch and with Dwayne Wade, in which everyone, uh, you know, it's leaving. Oh, LeBron James is leaving. And then, boom, suddenly Chris Bosch is like, you know what, I'll stay <laughs> after LeBron leaves. Yeah. It, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, LeBron, LeBron's leaving, so we're out of here. It's like, well, now LeBron's gone. You know what, maybe I will stay here uh, after all. So we only got a couple of minutes. Time always flies when you join us, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what, do you think, what do you think happens? Golden State. Golden State haven't swept anybody in the playoffs yet. All right? They yep. lost that game four to San Antonio and a depleted San Antonio team. They got blasted in game three at New Orleans. They got blasted in game two at Houston. So they've lost a game on the road in every series that they played. I don't think they're going to sweep them. I think this, this pattern continues and the Warriors win in five. What do you think? I had the Warriors in six before the series, but a comfortable six. This was the one game I felt pretty confident that Cleveland would take. Um, I, I said six previously. I think it's probably down to five now, but I think this is the game that Cleveland takes. Uh, LeBron's very good uh, coming off of 2-0 deficits in the playoffs. I think he's 3-0 and in that scenario. Um, well, maybe there's a loss there when they got swept by the Spurs, but in any event, he's very good after 2-0. and So this is the game that they captured tonight. Cap Cleveland plus 165 on the money line. That looks pretty good to me. All right, before we get you out of here, before Florio hits the music, any chance at all, let's say LeBron James scores another 50 again in another game and another statistical game, a couple of big stack games, and they lose. Any chance that he becomes uh, the new Jerry West? Does the media throw him that bone and make him the MVP as a loser even? Uh, it's a good question, but I think if he were to lose in five, no. Six, you have a debate. Seven, I think it happened. Mike Blewett. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care, kid. Mike Blewett uh, with a fun, fun stuff uh, with Mike Blewett.
Scott Angle is going to join us for the ballpark a little bit uh, later on. Hopefully. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. On Twitter says he agrees with Big Man on campus. He's sick of the Golden State Warriors as well. Listen, I get it, but the thing is, are you sick of the players on the Golden State Warriors? Do you dislike the players, or are you just tired of seeing the same team win all the time? It's a little bit of a difference. You know, sports as a whole can get... It's the same thing like with... um, It's the same thing with, like, the New England Patriots. I don't even think like everybody hates Tom Brady, but it just gets stale when it's the, you know, it's like, okay, the NFC winner versus the New England Patriots every year, right? That's the thing. I think people sort of have the, the fatigue of the Warriors being in the finals, but look, they did lose once and people, people, and this just goes back to what I talked about at the start of the program. People are going to complain no matter what, man. All right. If people complain oh, in the old days, there were great teams and Michael Jordan, they won six times. And, and, and now teams win. Oh, I hate this team. They win too much. Right? You can't win. Like, the public, that's my, the moral of the story. That's the theme of the show today, is that people will bitch no matter what. But I totally get it if you're sick of seeing the Warriors on TV all the time. But you can't tell me that the Warriors are annoying people. Steph Curry's one of the nicest guys in the league. You know, Clay Thompson's kind of a goofball, but... He's not a bad dude. He just, you know, plays basketball and wants to get laid. Um, Kevin Durant, I get it. All right. I can I, I can see it a bit here. And Draymond Green is very annoying. So I understand that. But, uh, Cam, you hate the what – what what's your take? You have hatred for the Warriors? I got no hatred for the Warriors. And you, you brought up the best point out of this all, Marenzi. You got a dynasty. Oh, man, I see this team every year. Well, you know what? It's time to get better. Other teams simply, you know, you're not going to bitch about it. you got to get better. And the Houston Rockets were real close. If CP3 doesn't go down in Game 7, they probably get there. But still, it's the Warriors in these games. So you know what? Just get better. You want to beat the King? you got it done. Hey, look what the Philadelphia Eagles did on football. Gabe Homedog in the first game to Atlanta. Boom, get it done. Then they go in, kick the crap. They kick the crap out of the Minnesota Vikings. Like, this is what I'm talking about. If you want to beat, and then they go to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Ooh, lovely Tom Brady in New England, unbeatable, with a backup quarterback in Foles, and you kick them right in the teeth. So if you're going to get better, Houston, the rest of the West, hey, man, it's, it, you, you, don't make excuses. Get better. Yeah, so uh, Mike Cardano's asking, where the hell are you guys? You guys in a deli? No, we're not in a deli. We're in an ice, ice cream shop. Ice cream shop. Uh, so where's the ice cream? Too? I don't even have any ice cream. Yeah. I'll go get you some ice cream. I, I told I told them. I go. I guess it was Scroby's idea. He goes. Why don't you guys do a, do a show from my uh, ice cream shop? Ring, the the beans are grinding. The machines. Like I didn't realize it was going to be such a shit show, Marenzi. But I'll go get you some soft serve. I didn't realize uh, that. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that you wouldn't be able to uh, turn your computer on either today. I don't know. I tried to call in. It's just uh, 
nothing seems to be going through there, buddy. We'll share, we'll share the microphone as much as we can. I got you a piece of pizza, and uh, I'll tell the numbnuts downstairs to uh, stop it. With the, I, I told them to stop grinding the beans three times. Nobody's listening, but uh, I'm going to go down beans, this time. No, it's not, it's not all that much of a problem, but um, the Golden State Warriors, comparable to, to, to past teams, look, Michael Jordan... Michael Jordan wasn't um, wasn't the most likable guy at the time. I actually remember at the time in the era, listen, I used to often bet against, uh, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan, but at the same point in time, I used to bet against him often because I thought the point spreads were sort of out of whack uh, for Chicago uh, Bull games. But the Bulls weren't likable either. The New York Yankees weren't likable. The Montreal Canadiens, I mean, Pie Man's tuning in right now. I think Pie Man was a Canadian fan in the 70s. He's old. Um, the Canadians weren't a likable team. You know, whoever wins, people are generally going to dislike the winning team. But I think it is comical. To me, it's comical that big man on campus is in Philadelphia. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles are not a dislikable team. All right? The Eagle fans were the dislikable ones, to be honest. It's sort of like Sloan. There's a rock band Sloan, and there's a line in a Sloan song. It's not the uh, band I hate, it's their fans. And, you know, the Philadelphia Eagle fans, Philadelphia as a whole, you know, I think they sort of, to me, Philadelphia is like Portugal to Spain. I think Philadelphia has like an inferiority complex to New York. And, you know, they they build themselves up more. Like, it, you notice, like, Philadelphia really believes that they're sort of the center of the sports universe. Trust the process. They think LeBron James is dying to move to Philadelphia and play for the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, the Eagles, you know, the Eagles are, have been sort of a, an average, mediocre franchise for, for the history, but Eagle fans went right in to jerk them, and we're going to win five Super Bowls in a row, and Carson Wentz the best, F you. I've said it before, it's almost like they're America's Winnipeg. It's like if Winnipeg would have won a Stanley Cup, it would have been unbearable. <laughs> but it's just funny to me that a Sixer fan, and I, I listen, I love big man, but I just think it's ironic that a Sixer fan, and he, he said, what's annoying about Ben Simmons? Everything is annoying about Ben Simmons. The guy doesn't even make eye contact with anybody. He looks like around people. Ben Simmons has been disliked on every freaking team that he's ever been on. All right? He was disliked in Australia on the national team. He played in the men's league. He was disliked. He was disliked at LSU. And uh, now here we are in Philadelphia. Now, he's a great player. I'm not criticizing Ben Simmons' basketball uh, skills. All right? Like, Ben Simmons is an awesome basketball player. But I don't think it's really a secret that he's a little jerk. And Joel Embiid's just a big clown. Uh, you know, so, like, the whole, ooh, the process, the process... And I see the Buffalo Bills have filed a trademark with something called Respect the Process, which is absolutely freaking pathetic, and it makes me actually not want to be a Buffalo Bill fan, which is saying something because the Buffalo Bills have put me through a lot of crap over the years, and I've remained a Buffalo Bill fan, but I swear to God, the fact that you guys have filed a copyright well, let me just, what is it? Is it respect the process? Respect the... Yeah. What? Yes. So 
the Buffalo Bills have filed a trademark for respect the process. Now, of course, the, so the Philadelphia 76ers one is trust the process. The Buffalo Bills have literally, literally, because all because Doug McDermott uh, said it's, it, this is all a process. We're looking at the big picture. Respect the process. It's confusing. It's trust the process, and trust the process is lame. It sucks, all right? Trust the pro, respect the process. The Buffalo Bills, I listen, I'm 47 years old. I've respected your process for 47 years. It's got me nowhere. Respect the process. This is lame. It's extremely lame by the Buffalo Bills. It's actually so lame, it's stupid. I can't believe. Like, when I saw this game, I thought you were joking. And I can't think of another franchise like the Buffalo what process? What the hell are you doing? This is absolutely insane. And, and, and first of all, you can't trademark respect the process anyway. I don't know, because you drafted Allen in the first round of the pick. It's, now it's a process where the Bills are suddenly going to get better and win. Man, I'd tell you, Marenzi, for all the cool stuff the Bills do, some of it's pretty damn stupid. Well, this is ridiculously stupid. And not to mention, and guess who actually owns the trust the process? Joel Embiid, of all people. So maybe he's not as dumb as I say he is. Trademark. So, yeah, Joel Embiid really would have a lawsuit here. This is a blatant, it's a blatant copy of Trust the Process. And I got to tell you what, yeah, I'd rather donate my money to uh, the Ted Cruz campaign than buy a Respect the Process or Trust the Process t-shirt of the Philadelphia 76ers uh, or, or the Buffalo Bills. See, like, I, I'll rip my own team, guys. I'm a Buffalo Bill fan. This is, just, this is almost as stupid as probably, I don't know, trading up and drafting Josh Allen, to be honest. Not drafting a wide receiver. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, you guys respect the process. This is the same franchise that said they spent $300 million renovating the, the stadium. They painted it. <laughs> Terrible. Respect. Respect the process. What do you think about this respect the process crap, Flora? You're a Bills fan. Respect the process. Like, it, it's, it's lame. First off, that whole process crap sucks anyways. Trust the process. I actually find the Philadelphia 76ers to be the most annoying team in the NBA. A young team that talks so much, so much crap that hasn't done anything. Like Joel Embiid, what has Joel Embiid accomplished? I don't know, he's probably banged some hot chicks on the road. Couple of nice vicious dunks. Ben Simmons, now Ben Simmons is hooked up with, uh, with one of the Jenners there. Not Caitlin. <laughs> Kylie. Kylie, Kendall, I don't know which one he's with. That's going to end well. We all know that if you're a professional athlete, the best way to uh, further your career is to hook up with a Kardashian or a Jenner. You either end up losing your penis, ending up in a coma, becoming a crackhead, <laughs> uh, ending up in a mental institution. All these things are just, that's just off the top of my head. All right, Mike Blewett just uh, found a stat, actually. LeBron James is 5-2 and two 
in the playoffs when he's down two games to none. Blewett says he's taking a look at the money line with the Cleveland Cavaliers in game three. No, you're not going to find many people that dislike the Cleveland Cavaliers as much as I do. I don't like them. I don't, you know, and sorry, Cleveland, if you're a Cleveland Cavalier fan tuning in right now, just, you know, I think your fans are jerks. I think your team are jerks. Um, look at Kendrick Perkins. Shut the hell up, Kendrick Perkins. Like, who the hell are you? Kendrick Perkins, like, he, look, he got into it. He's been getting into it with everyone. He got into it with the Raptors. He got into it. Now he's getting into it with Curry. It's like, bro, you were a crappy player, and you're just an assistant coach with a, you know, the worst coach in the NBA, essentially, in Tyrone Luke. Like, the Cavaliers are annoying to me. And, you know, their fans, I don't know, the, the Cavaliers just piss me off. Plus, I know you, a lot of the Cavalier fans are um, they're Ohio State fans. So I just sort of group you all together. Like, Cincinnati, like, in, in the state of Ohio, Ken, like, uh, they really love Ohio State. Listen, they like Ohio State everywhere in the state, but they really like them more in Cleveland. In Cincinnati, it's not quite as beloved. They have the University of Cincinnati. That's right, the Bearcats. And they're a good basketball team. And Ohio State has never wanted to play Cincinnati in football either. So they're, I'm not saying there's a lot of OSU fans in Cincinnati, obviously, but there are people in Cincinnati, at least. That not every Bengal fan is a Buckeye fan, but every Brown fan is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's my long-winded point. I know exactly where you're saying. No, I'll tell you something, too, but Gabe, I hate Cleveland. But you know what? When we're doing the show, money talks, bullshit walks. You're never going to be in a situation... You said it, and I remember before Sussman said it. It's a whole different thing, man. The first two games, you're in Golden State. They almost won game one. Sure, in the second game, Steph Curry went off. He was hitting circus acrobatic shots. Those threes were unbelievable circus-like. Now you're going back home. I'm telling you, the NBA, LeBron James is going to get every call in the book. They're going to do everything to extend it. We're going to hear king, 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 king all night. And I know about the hate. Screw the hate. Take the five points. I'm with Blue. I I like this, like, for days. I'm taking the five and the money line. Boom. It's going to be Cleveland. This thing is going at least five games. I'm telling you, I'm taking the Cavaliers. Uh, the, uh, the Golden State Warriors, as we alluded to, they haven't, um, they haven't, sw- they haven't swept anybody yet in, in these playoffs. And let's be real, too. And one of the things that bothers me the most about LeBron James really isn't him personally. Like, off the court, I really don't, like, dislike LeBron James. I really don't. But on the court, I do. And one of the reasons, the biggest reasons why... If you're wondering, when big man asks, well, I'd like to know, why do you dislike LeBron? My deal with LeBron is, I just think he's arrogant. I think he's just, you know, I am king. A great example is today, look, there's the um, the um, the EA Sports video game came out. He's on the cover. And I guess he created the cover. He called himself the greatest of all time. It's like, you know... That's the thing with LeBron. He, he's so stat-driven, and he's just so... Now, I want to find this because NBA 2K, all right? So it's NBA 2K. So for the second time in five years, LeBron James will grace the cover of NBA 2K, uh, the video game. 2K Sports has announced that LeBron James would headline their 20th anniversary installment of NBA 2K19. They've already unveiled the cover art. Now, it's LeBron James, king, strive for greatness. 
chosen one. Man in the arena, chosen one. Goat. Now, for the record, LeBron James designed the cover. Like, they told him, give us the, the words that you want to put. So he gave them this. King, strive for greatness, chosen one. For him, goat, James Gang, whatever. So he's basically calling himself the greatest player of all time. Now, for all you uh, Cleveland Cavalier fans, you're not going to like this because this is like the Madden, uh, the, the curse, so to speak, all right? So uh, they've done this. It's worth noting that uh, there's a trend involving NBA 2K cover stars, all right? Over the last five years, four of the players that were on the cover of NBA 2K didn't get hurt. They split the team that they were on. In 2014, LeBron James was on the cover. He went, he took his talents. Remember, LeBron's a great guy, class act, right? Remember that whole decision crap when he took his talents and he didn't tell anyone? He wouldn't even tell them that he was leaving? I know, I know. That's forgotten about. Like, you know what? I'm pretty sick and tired of you all defending this jerk. LeBron James, he's a jerk. He just is. But you guys, whatever. You're blinded by him. So he can do whatever, right? Um, so, yeah, he screws the people over. He does that stupid decision show on TV. Uh, 2014. So he was on the cover. He bolted. 2015. Kevin Durant bolted. Oklahoma City to Golden State. 2016. Steph Curry, James Harden, and Anthony Davis all shared the cover, and none of them left. Good year. 2017, Paul George split. 2018, Kyrie Irving. Now, I find this to be pretty confusing with the years here, but the fact of the matter is is because the video game is like a year ahead of reality. Because I'm all like, I'm like, Kevin Durant didn't, Kevin Durant wasn't like 2015, was it? Was it three years ago? But that, that was the 2015 video game, right? Not the, so the 2016 season he played there. If you're the, really the greatest of all time, you need to tell everyone you're the greatest of all time. You need to put on your shoes, I am king. You're a king whiner, that's what you are, but... I do like LeBron plus the points tomorrow. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Decisions, Red Heat and Rage Radio continues. We had Jake Seeley on yesterday. We talked about how um, 
NFL mini camps uh, right now. So it's sort of the uh, the calm before the storm in the National uh, Football League. They go through these little mini camps, and then uh, boom, um, we'll be off and running very very soon. I mean, uh, the Hall of Fame game is always in the first week of August. College football starts August the 25th. What's the date today? June 5th, I believe it is. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're less than two months away uh, right now. Football uh, football is in the air. And we talked about uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with um, with Jake Seeley, Eli Manning, and the New York Giants. So similar to the fact that you know LeBron James, I've never been a big Eli guy. All right, I find him to be kind of annoying. Eli Manning, you know, he's had um, he's had a great career. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner, but there's a lot of meteorocracy sprinkled in with the greatness. But in a big game. In a big game, like he's a better big game player than Peyton was, right? So in a big game, Eli Manning has stepped up, and you can't take that away from him. Yet, I think last year was, um, you know, the offensive line was terrible last year for the New York Giants. The New York Giants have never gotten Eli Manning. Look, the last time Eli Manning had, like, running backs with Jennings and Jacobs and these guys, they won the Super Bowl, right? They had, they, they had a little bit of a ground game. The Giants, for one reason or another, have refused to have a running back. Their offensive line was terrible. Their head coach was an idiot in McAdoo. Odell Beckham was hurt. Um, You had the Eli Apple crap. And you could go on and on and on and on with all the issues that the Giants had last year. Long story short, I'm starting to buy in uh, on the New York Giants coming into this year, believing that the, uh, the acquisition of Saquon Barkley the bolstering of the offensive line, new coaching staff, the addition of Odell Beckham. It's like you're basically dropping, you know, two new offensive linemen, Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley on a football team. I believe that Eli Manning and then the Giants are actually going to be a very, very competitive football team uh, this year. And uh, I'll be taking a look at their regular season win total. It is six and a half. It's minus 150. It's minus 150 to the over, so that means some spots might pop up a seven at even money, but number's just a little bit too low for the New York Giants. It, it is a competitive division that they play in. you got the Philadelphia defending Super Bowl champions. The Redskins are going to be pretty good. I think okay. The Cowboys, I think, are going to just sort of be a 7-9, 8-8 caliber football team. Six and a half is a little too low for the New York Giants, though. Couldn't agree more, Moran. See, I'm all over the Giants' wins total. You said it. Now with Saquon Barkley, too, think about it. When Eli gets in trouble because he's got slow feet, he can dump it off to Barkley. They've never had that guy before. He's going to be absolutely huge. Get the touches. Beckham back. You talked about it. The receiving core, offensive line looks better. Eli's not going to get hit as hard. Six and a half seems really low to me. I'm down with the Giants. I'm agreeing. The, the Dallas Cowboys are going to take a step back. I don't trust Dak Dex- 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 Prescott. I think they uh, regressed last year. I'm, I have a lot of issues with Dallas. Their team, I think, is really going to tank. Eight and a half wins for the Dallas Cowboys. Under is one, going to be one of my top plays, and we both talked about it. I think the Redskins and Giants improved in the division, both taking over six and a half. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys at eight and a half. They could be a nine and seven team. They could be a seven and nine team. Dak Prescott regressed last year a lot, yet obviously you had the Elliott situation. So Elliott's going to be playing... 
you know, he could get hurt, but they're going to have Elliott back. But the problem is, teams are just really, really going to viciously stack the line right now. The Dallas Cowboys, the the draft pick that they, the kid that they took out of Colorado State, is pretty good actually. Like they've got they got some young talent in here. They bring in Tavon Austin at the wide receiver position. You know, the the Cowboys to me, you know, they've got some good young defensive players as well. They're not a terrible team, the Dallas Cowboys, but I, I wouldn't bet the over or the under with the Dallas Cowboys. I just I'm gonna stay away from the total here at eight and a half. If I had to bet it, I would lean I would lean with the under. But the New York Giants catch my eye a lot here at the six and a half. There's a lot to like uh, about the New York Giants. They have talent. They have talent on the defensive side of the football as well. But it was a freaking train wreck last year, man. All right? You had Eli Manning was falling apart. Uh, McAdoo benched him with the Geno Smith stuff. You had Odell Beckham uh, was injured. The offensive line was terrible. They weren't getting any pressure on the quarterback uh, at all. I'm surprised, actually, it's not seven and a half, but it is minus 150. It is minus. Whenever I'm betting on season win totals, I rarely look at a team in double digits because there's not, there's not a really a lot of room for error. I'm sort of looking, you know, it's like a stock. We're looking for an affordable, cheap stock here, and the Giants at six and a half, a pretty affordable, uh, cheap stock. A team here that I see at eight and a half, I think is overvalued as an overvalued stock. And this is the silver and black stock of the Oakland Raiders. Quite frankly, I think that John Gruden was a very, very good analyst in the booth. I think he was pretty entertaining. But um, this this Raider football team has a lot of holes, guys. They were lucky. People don't realize how lucky they were to win 12 football games the year before. They had the smallest margin of victory for a 12-1 team in the history of the National Football League, all right? They let Crabtree go. They replaced him with Jordy Nelson. There's a reason why the Green Bay Packers let Jordy Nelson go. Jordy Nelson, like, is basically done, all right? So Crabtree's better than Jordy Nelson. They're completely relying now on Amari Cooper to, to be consistent. Cooper's okay. He's not as bad as people say he is, but he's also, I don't know. I don't think he's, is he going to be that star that potentially we thought he was a couple of years ago? Your ground game, you know where their running backs are, Cam, in Oakland? Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin, which, yeah, would be a great backfield if this was like seven years ago. Where's the hot tub time machine? No, I'm with you, man. I see a lot of holes in the Raiders. I think Carr actually is going to regress as well. They have no running. They have no running game. Their defense, too, they got shredded in games, Marenzi. I'm telling you, and take a look at the rest of the division. I, I Actually, I think Kansas City, even even with Mahomes, I like the situation with them. I think they're going to be fine. They have a mobile quarterback who's going to get it done. I think Oakland's going to take a huge step back. I'm with you, man. I think this team is going to be very bad. Eight and a half is way too high. I see them winning, like, seven games. Like, I don't see them winning close to nine games. Gruden was more of a public relations hire yeah. than, than it was an actual uh, football hire. You know, like I said, you know, there's a difference. Gruden's been out of the game for a little while. And to me, Gruden's problem, Gruden's a good coach, actually, okay? He's a decent coach. He's a decent coach. If you actually look at what happened in Tampa, it wasn't great. He's a, de- he's a better than average coach. But the problem is, it was a public relations hire. And John Gruden is not a good player personnel guy, all right? 
He's not. He likes everybody. He falls for everybody. They had a revolving door at quarterback in Tampa Bay after Johnson, um, after Brad Johnson. Yeah, literally, they had like if you look at the guys he signed, like thirteen dudes over the years. He gets locked in with veterans, and I think that's all you need to know here. In which you have Michael Crabtree, who's actually he's not a tier one wide receiver. I'm not talking fantasy, but reality here. He's a tier two type top guy, Michael Crabtree. He's not a star. But he's, he's, you know, he's a pretty good wide receiver in a good situation. You get rid of him. The first thing you do is you get rid of him. And you replace him with Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson might be, in your mind, be a better character guy than Michael Crabtree. But Jordy Nelson can't run anymore. He's always injured. There's a reason why the Green Bay Packers let him go. Um... You know, he lets the punter go. Now, listen, the punter was annoying. I think the punter did do, you know, the antics were a little bit much for a freaking punter. But the point is, Gruden could have just told the punter, listen, chill out with the antics a little bit, all right? Instead, no, no, he just got rid of him right away. Uh, you know, the running back situation. Marshawn Lynch shouldn't have been on the Raiders last year, okay? The only reason that Marshawn Lynch is on the Raiders is because the Raiders are leaving Oakland. And people in Oakland have turned on the Raiders. They don't want to give the Raiders any money for the next two, three years because they know the Raiders are leaving and they want to go to Vegas. So they signed Marshawn Lynch. And Marshawn Lynch always wanted to be a Raider because he's from Oakland. So they signed Marshawn Lynch. It's sort of, all right, listen, I know you hate us. We're leaving. But, hey, look, man, we got the beast mode. And now it's a similar situation. Is John Gruden the best available football coach out there? Or did they hire John Gruden because he's a name that'll sort of appease Raider fans who like him in Oakland? And then he's a name going into Las Vegas as well. John Gruden's not a brilliant football mind at this stage of his career. And I think he can coach, but you're letting him basically decide who's coming in and who's out. I mean, Marshawn Lynch should have been on the team last year. So, all right, boom. You don't want a nice, fresh running back? No. You want Marshawn Lynch? All right, how about we get another uh, young back? We draft a back. No? You want Doug Martin? It's like, great. You got one dude that smokes more weed than I do, and, um, you know, you got a drunk driving drunk in Doug Martin. It's like, yeah, it's a great combo you have up here. Combined age, 89. Like, they're basically, like, barely younger than me and Cam combined. And they're your running backs. Like, the one position where you actually need youth and speed. So, you know, like the player personnel, the player personnel decisions that the Raiders will make will be a problem uh, for them, and it'll catch up, and it'll be a name hire only, essentially. But the, the win total that catches my eye, the one that I really like, and I like a few college ones that I'm trying to find, looking at the Pittsburgh Panthers at five and a half, but uh, New York Giants at six and a half really does, uh, does intrigue me. It's a fair number. The L.A. Rams and the L.A. Chargers are both nine and a half. I like both these football teams a lot coming into this year, but I don't like betting the fact that I need to get to ten wins. You know, when I'm betting six and a half, whatever, the New York Giants go seven and nine. I win my bet. Um, the Chicago Bears are at six and a half, and there's a lot of hype about the Chicago Bears coming into the year. 
as not hype as far as winning, but hype as far as winning football games and going beating their win total to the over. I personally, they have talent, but I'm not sure about the coaching hire in Matt Nagy. And then secondly, I'm definitely damn not sure about Mark Helfrich, former Oregon Duck head coach, being the offensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears. So essentially, you've got a crappy college coach that got fired, and it ran the Oregon Duck program into the ground, and they're still trying to recover from Helfrich. Like, basically, Chip Kelly gave them the keys. They said, hey, listen, here's the keys to a Ferrari, and uh, Mark Helfrich turned it into a Pinto, into a Lada. And now they're like, oh, yeah, why not? Let's give you let's give you an offensive coordinator position in the National Football League with the Chicago Bears now. It's hard for me to buy into the Bears right now, even though their win total is six and a half. Buffalo Bills win total is six and a half right now. Very, very tough to predict what the Buffalo Bills are going to do because we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I imagine A.J. McCarron will beat out Josh Allen for the starting quarterback position and then by week or by week seven or eight or something, they'll throw an Allen in here, but whatever, man. The Buffalo Bills are a shit show. I think asking the Bills to get seven wins, that's, uh, that's, gonna, that's not happening. I'm going to tell you one thing, though, Morenci. I'm looking at the L.A. Chargers at nine and a half, and initially I was thinking because of Joey Bosa and that defense that I love it, but that Hunter Henry injury I think is actually absolutely going to be huge. Phillip Rivers isn't getting any younger, too. He's shot putting the ball. I have no problem with the, with the Charger defense because they had lots of studs there and they drafted well. Very good secondary, too. I have a problem with the offense turning over the balls. Phillip Rivers will make mistakes. I know Melvin Gordon's coming off a career year, but I'm telling you, that's ambitious. Nine and a half for the San Diego Chargers with the mistakes they can make without a real tight end. Talking about bringing back Antonio Gates. Too many wins. I think the Chargers might win eight or nine, tens too many. The problem with the Chargers is, as good as they are, or as good as they, they can be, they're the Chargers. That's what it comes down to. They're the Chargers. And they're always they're always going to get injured. Like, they're cursed. I've said this a million times before. The, 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 the L.A. Chargers... The L.A. Chargers are basically... I was going to call them San Diego, but I wasn't. I think now, now it's locked in. They're the L.A. Chargers... But the L.A. Chargers are essentially the West Coast version of the Buffalo Bills. That's what that's who they are. <laughs> that's who they are. Like, if they're playing well, they'll get hurt. Something inevitably will bad will happen to the Chargers. It's already happened with Hunter Henry right now. You know, they're, they're a Melvin Gordon injury away from being screwed on offense. And as good as Phillip Rivers is, and he does shotgun the ball or shot put it, but he's always done that. Um, he can still throw the football, but he's actually their problem as well. Like when I say the Chargers are the Chargers, he is the Chargers. Like the Chargers will be nine and you know nine and six in the last week, and they'll be that turnover, the interception, or the Chargers will be right there. And ah, oh, they were gonna make the playoffs, but somebody got hurt. Like like I said, they are essentially the West Coast version of the Buffalo Bills. And you know, like really, I mean, they never won anything. We've talked about this with Charger fans in the past. Like, they're every bit as useless, actually, as the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. Like, the Detroit Lions and the Chargers are a great comparison. You know, Matt Stafford, Phillip Rivers, they score points every year. They're 8-8 eight and eight every year. They're 9-7. and seven. They might make the playoffs, and we all know that none of them have a hope in hell of winning the Super Bowl. There's, that's like the Chargers and the Lions pretty much in a nutshell. 
now the Lions get Matt Patricia in here as head coach. Now, I don't think that – I thought that Jim Caldwell – I thought that Jim Caldwell did a good job with this football team. Yet I understand why they wanted to make a change to shake things up. The Detroit Lions' win total is seven and a half. It feels a little bit low, but it's not as if though Matt Patricia's uh, New England Patriot defenses were ever really any all that good. And I believe we have some Patriot fans that just uh, came in here to the CNC Cafe. I can see the lines being seven and nine, actually. All right, we'll take a quick break. Scott Angle is going to join us from the ballpark. Fred Eaton Rage, Game Time Decision continues. <laughs> 